0: Well, it's time for us to move into the second part, the second chapter of the book of Ruth. I entitled this Under the Wings of Boaz. I think that would be a a good title for it. The first chapter, I think a better title for that would be In Search of Security. But this one is Under the Wings of Boaz. And as we enter it, We find in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, now whenever you see a therefore, what does it tell you? Something came before. before. So in chapter 2, when it says therefore, it means that it's picking up with what happened in chapter 1, and now it's applying it. Okay? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. We need to be careful that we don't let things slip. Actually, in chapter 1, it starts this way. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, and the family of Abimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now, Boaz was related to Elimelech. now boaz that's a very interesting name why do they choose boaz sometimes in the scriptures his name is called boaz, booz b o o z booz and boaz are the same same person but in different languages you see and we find that in the temple There were two pillars that were in front of the temple. And those two pillars had names. One was called Jachin, the other was called Boaz. And those names are significant, as we'll see shortly. First off, Jachin, it meant he shall establish. That was the right-hand pillar. The left-hand pillar, it says in him... Is strength, so he's the one that would bring strength or renew this. Now Boaz, it says, some people have translated it to mean fleetness. If you are fleet, you're what? Quick, right? You're fast. And he was going to get things done in good and proper time and done orderly. And so we find that uh, Boaz, when he, he acts, he acts decisively. Now in verse 2 it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me go to go to the fields. In plain words, Mom, we don't have any income. You can't work. You're too old. But I can. So she says, Let me go work in the field. And to glean the ears of corn. Now you need to realize this isn't the kind of corn that we consider corn. Corn's an old term that means grain. It was probably wheat or barley, whichever the the, uh, season provided. They had several growing seasons in Israel, whereas we only have one. They had two, sometimes as many as three, depending on the crop. And when it talks about gleaning the ears, it means the kernels of it. So, and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. The plan was, I'll go wherever anybody wants to let me in. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. Go ahead, do it. Look at verse 3. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now notice something here. It says her hap. What does that mean? It just happened. She accidentally came upon it. Well, you know, I don't think this was an accident. I think that this was a divine intervention. And her hap was that she lighted on the part of the field belonging to Boaz Now, you've got to realize that this land, all the land was planted with grain. But certain farmers, they had this section, and then the next farmer had this section, and the next farmer this section. Well, Boaz had a part of that. And he also was a kindred or related to Elimelech. And notice in verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He was in town. You see, they used to live in the town and then go out to their fields. Here in the U.S., the farmer usually lives on his field somewhere, but not so with them. They'd live in the town and then go out to the fields and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Next time you go to work, You know, you walk in and you say to your boss, the Lord be with you, and your boss will say to you, the Lord bless you. What's the chance of that happening? (laughs) Anyway, but here, this is how they would greet one another, with respect. And you know, in the Middle East, in some areas of the Middle East, they still do that. This is how they greet their workers. Look at verse 5. Then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? He looks out and he says, Who's that young girl over there? I haven't seen her around here before. Now he apparently had heard some things about her, but it seems like this is the first time he lays eyes on her. Look at verse 6. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It's the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. So the foreman says, oh, yeah, she's the girl that came back with Naomi. And notice what it says in verse 7. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Now, what is he saying? The foreman says, she came up to me and she says, can I please uh, gather in your field? He says, all right, but I don't want you dogging off. And she worked from morning until the time they are having this conversation. And it says she tarried a little in the house. What he's saying is she didn't spend a lot of time taking a coffee break. She went in for a little bit, to get a drink or something. Then she went back to work. So he was impressed with her diligence. And look at verse 8. Then came Boaz unto Ruth. Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go hence, yet abide here fast by my maidens. Don't go around to the other fields. You stay here. You'll be safer here he apparently knew what was going on in these other fields. And so he says, you stay here, you'll be safe. Now what's he automatically doing right here? He's already reaching out to provide for her security and safety. And then it says in verse 9, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they may not touch thee. And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Now the men used to open up the well and when they got thirsty, they went over the well to get a drink. Okay? Then they go back to work. But notice, he has already sent out a notice to all the workers. Look, you guys, you leave her alone. And you realize that in those days, especially a woman who was alone, had no male relative to protect her. Really, she only had two options. The only thing that was open to her was to find a kinsman who would take her in and protect her or become a prostitute. That's basically what was open to them. Or she could die. those That's a third option. And so what's he doing even though she doesn't know he's the kinsman, she still is being protected by him and provided for. Look at verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Now he had no legal obligation to her because he was not the nearest kinsman. He was down the ladder a little ways. So legally, he had no obligation to her, but he's doing it out of kindness. And it says she fell on her face. Now, that doesn't mean she was clumsy, okay? It means that she bowed in an act of uh, humility, showing respect. And she bowed herself to the ground, and she said unto him, Why have I found grace in your eyes? You know, why have any of you found grace in God's eyes? Are you worthy? No, I'm not worthy. But grace is unmerited favor. She didn't do anything to deserve the mercy he was giving her, but yet he was. She said, You shouldn't even be taking notice of me. I'm a stranger, I'm a foreigner. And look at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left her thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not. Heretofore. And now notice here that Boaz says, I have heard all about you. I haven't met you before, but I've heard about you. Now it's interesting that Boaz could not talk to her directly until after he first talked to the foreman. Because the law of courtesy in the Middle East at that time was that a man could not directly talk to a woman unless they were properly introduced. You see? And she had already spoken to the foreman and now the foreman introduced her to him. Now he can talk to her directly. And here he's telling that I know all about you and what a noble person you are. Look at verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings thou art art come to trust, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, what does that mean? That word wings is going to rise up several times in the book of Ruth. And I'll come back to that. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly." unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. In plain words, I'm a foreigner. I'm not like the rest of you, but yet you treat me like I am. You treat me like I'm one of your own people. Notice the kindness. I wonder, rather than having prejudices against people, if we treat people like we would want to be treated, don't you think we'd win many people that way? We would win those who don't look like or sound like or have the same religious beliefs or have the same background or the economic background we do. If we treated them the way we would want to be treated, I thought that was called the golden rule. Did you ever hear of that someplace before? And if we would treat others as we would be treated, then we might reach them. And so we see this coming up too. Now, Boaz is the kingpin in this whole book. We think of Ruth as being the kingpin, but it's not. The whole book revolves around Boaz because Boaz, we would never have heard of Ruth if it had not been for Boaz. He is the main character in this whole thing. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn and she did eat and was sufficed and left. Now we're getting into another thing. He says to her look at lunchtime you come eat with the rest. And What they used to do, some of the crop that they were harvesting, the grain, maybe it would be wheat or barley, they would take and build a fire, and they put a big metal plate over the top of it. And then they would put the grains on there and let them roast. And they considered that a real delicacy. And they would roast it. Also, they would take the vinegar which of course came from the vines and they would uh, mix some stuff in it and make a sauce and they would take bread and dip it in there and eat it. Now remember this goes along with what Jesus did when he handed the bread to um, Judas. You see, they dipped in the sauce. Okay, this is what they were doing. Vinegar I'm not that fond of, but it... uh, (laughs) It was perhaps a little bitter, but yet when they added other things to it, it was pleasant. And the thing that's important in this that is easily overlooked, it says that Boaz gathered some of the grain himself and personally handed it to her. Do you know that that is the greatest sign of hospitality? That is the greatest sign of hospitality in the Middle East. When you feed someone with your own hand, you are extending grace to them. When you invite a stranger home for dinner, you're doing the same thing he was doing, you see. And so we find that there's a lot that's hidden in the customs of these. And she ate until she was full, and then she got up and she left. Look at verse 15. And when she was risen up to glean, see, she went back to work. She ate lunch and back in the field she went. Boaz, now, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. In plain words, she was trailing along behind them. Now he says, uh, let her to catch up with you. Get, Get the better grain. You know, and so notice she's being drawn closer and closer. Isn't that what the Lord does with us? When he reaches out to us to see who is receptive, and when he sees a receptive heart, he grants them a blessing, and then he grants them another blessing, a little more blessing, drawing them closer and closer. And look at verse 16. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and let them that she and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. In plain words, accidentally on purpose, drop some of the grain, and she'll quickly run over there and scoop it up. You say, what's he doing? He's giving her more and more blessings as she goes look at verse 17 now he was not coming on to her that was not the thing that was not his motive he knew Naomi was in tough straits he knew that she was in tough straits he didn't have some ulterior motive what he was doing he was providing for her because she had a need and God provides for us according to our need. Look at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until even. So she worked from sunrise to sunset with just little breaks in between. And then, after they gleaned it all, they had to beat it out. Now they would take these, you know, sticks, uh, and they banged on it, you know. Then they'd throw it up in the air and let the wind blow the chaff away and the grain would fall down and they'd have to keep sifting it. And this is what they were doing. When we were over in Cambodia, we watched the way some of the Cambodians uh, used to beat out their grain. That was really interesting. They'd spread out a a big sheet-like thing and they'd be tossing it in the air. The wind would blow away some of it and the rest would fall down. And they kept doing that until they got the grain So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Now, this ephah of barley is interesting. In verse 17, notice they're harvesting barley here and not wheat. Okay, I said that they had more than one uh, uh, crop that they could have. In a year. And when it comes to the ephah, this was a measure that they used to use, a dry measure. And I'm trying to find here, hang on a second, uh, verse 17, And ephah is equivalent to about five gallons or 30 pounds. So picking up the droppings, she picked up 30 pounds of grain. And then notice what it says. And she took it up and went into the city. See they're living in the city, working in the country. She went into the city, and her mother in law saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth a, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. All right, she picks up this thirty g- gallons i mean five gallons or 30 pounds of grain. Now, how's she going to get it home? Don't forget in those days, the woman used to wear kind of a a sash. And she would probably scooped it in there or else they gave her a basket, whatever the case was. She scooped it in there, tied it up, and then probably put it on the top of her head. Notice it said she took it up. She probably put it on her head And here she is walking home with 30 pounds on the top of her head. And when she came in, her mother-in-law says, Wow, where'd you get all that? You had a good day today. And notice that she first gave her mother-in-law to eat before she ate herself. And so we find here that she is still showing courtesy. Oftentimes, you know, we forget about the elderly. We give them what's left after we're done eating. But here this respect for age comes forth. Look at verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? Where'd you get all this stuff? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that hath taken knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's Name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Soon as she mentioned Boaz, Mama-in-law says, Whoa! He's a relative. He's not one of the strangers. I mean, one of the neighbors. He's a relative. Well, you know, Mama's wheels are going around now. She was saying, Hey, maybe, maybe I might have found you a husband after all. She didn't say that to Ruth yet. But the wheels are turning. Look at verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. In plain words, Bless the Lord because the Lord sent him. He's not an accident. He's a Seth. He is put here for this purpose. Who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. We were dead, but now he's going to make us alive again. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And so, she has some hopes here. But there's still some legal technicalities that need to be ironed out. Notice in verse 21. And the Ruth, the Moabitess, said, he said unto me also, thou shalt uh, keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Now notice, you stay close to my men and keep working in the field until the harvest. At the harvest, you will receive your reward. Isn't that what Jesus tells us today? The fields are ripe. But where are all uh, uh, the reapers, the harvesters? That's us, folks. We need to be out there gathering the grain, gathering people in. When will we receive our harvest? It's when Jesus comes again, you see. That will be the joyous time. That'll be the time of rejoicing. Look at verse 22. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens that they meet thee not in any other field. In plain words it's it's not right that you lag behind. Look at 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley uh, harvest and of wheat harvest. Notice the two different harvests. Apparently the The wheat harvest apparently came before the barley harvest did because they were talking about barley uh, and then they added the wheat on after that. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. And so the plot is thickening. She comes home empty and God provides hope to her. Hope. Hope.